But by the end of the third hour, I was getting bored. <laughs> Start telling knock-knock jokes? Yeah. Somebody shows up at the table, knock-knock. What? Just knock-knock. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, when somebody shows up at your table, there's the sound effect of somebody knocking on a door. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Who's there? What? I'm supposed to do a knock-knock joke. Come on, kid. Dance, monkey, dance. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris. I'm John. How you doing, John? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah. It's uh, almost 90 degrees here in Florida today. <laughs> it's February. Yeah. So, oh, you know, that's fun. You've, you've lived there long enough, it should not be a shock. It's not a shock. It's just fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you don't go outside. That's right. You barricade the door, you black out all the windows, and you make mm-hmm. it a nice box. That's right. Make it nice and chilly. Well, I know last week I, I said that I was down there for a job interview. Well, I will not be moving to Florida, at least not not anytime soon. Um, got my call that they were moving on to other applicants on Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but what really strikes me about it is that out of the seven people who I interviewed with the main recruiter, the, the guys that I would have been working with on the team, um, head of production, head of post-production, and somebody else. None of them called me. It's not like they called to say, hey, they had some recruiter call me that I had never spoken to before that was not even in the discussion. Right. To call me and got the job that I was applying for wrong. So I, she, she called and I was in the middle of picking up my kid at school. So I waited and I called her when I got home and she said, yeah, so you, uh, you applied for the director position. I said, nope, not me. <laughs> and she said, oh, 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 okay. Video editor. I said, yep, yep. That one's me. Yeah. Well, unfortunately. And I was like, oh, okay. And that was about all that was said to me. Well, at least you got a call, which is better than it's been in the past. Well, yeah, but I didn't take that lying down. So mm. I, I was given a business card by the main recruiter when I talked okay. to her who said, you have any questions, you know, get in touch with me. Okay. So I wrote her an email and I, and I was very nice. I said, I just want to thank everybody, you know, uh, for the opportunity and the consideration, but if it's possible, I would like to know why I was passed over. Um, 
and I and I basically said it will it makes me a better job seeker if I know what my weaknesses are, if possible. Figuring I wouldn't hear back from them. Figuring it was a fuck you, you didn't get the job thing. But yeah. I did get a phone call. Okay. And from her? From her. Okay. Um I didn't speak to her. She left a message because I was in the middle of something when she called. So it was the most undescript answer that I've ever gotten about anything. Okay. And she says, well, you know, there were a lot of people that came through a lot of people who did that final interview and the team just didn't feel like you had the experience necessary. What? Yes. Jesus. Okay. So I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this message and I'm like 23 years of experience of making, um, corporate video. Right. I have made thousands of videos in my career and I've worked for some of the biggest companies on the planet. And and I was told specifically in the interview by the post-production manager that the reason that they were interested in me is because of my experience. So I'm not quite sure what happened. Okay. I I can guess that they didn't want to pay me what I feel I'm worth. Okay. But if that's the case, say that. I'm more out to be respectful of you and your company. If you're going to be like, look, you, you just, you're too expensive. You fit everything, but you know, give me a chance to be like, if that's what's, what's wrong, you know, maybe we can meet somewhere on, on my price. Sure. But to be like, to lie to me, well, you know, maybe it was just a standard thing that they say, but to say that I don't have experience when everybody tells me I have exactly the experience they're looking for. And the reason they were, they were looking at me is because I could bring experience to the, to the team where there are younger guys that haven't done as much video. So then at the very end of the conversation, she said, but listen, if you see something else that you want to apply for, please apply. And I was like, I'm not going to apply to your company ever again. Right. Like, what the fuck? Right. So, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I, I, I feel really weird because um, I wasn't sure whether or not that that job was for me. I didn't know. It didn't feel completely right to me as far as like meeting with those people and the tour and all that kind of shit. Didn't know <clears throat> if I fit in there, but I feel like I, at least I think I would feel better if they had offered the job and I had been able to turn it down than them just being like, you don't have the right experience. And I know that right. makes no sense, but I don't know. It's just, it's just a weird situation. Yeah, kind of odd. They didn't say we were looking at a different price group. No. You were out of our range. No, no. It was the the 
group got together and decided that I didn't have the experience. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know who the fuck you're going to hire because I've got all the experience you were looking for. Right. And I knew I was, I was probably in for a loser call when that morning I got a job alert that there was a new job posting for a video editor in Naples, Florida. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. So so they're not only not looking at all of the candidates who have come through the roster so far, but they're outright lying and saying they've reposted the job. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Which, you know, speaks speaks volumes, I think, about that company in general. Yeah, unfortunately. And, and I probably don't want to work there if this is the way that they're going to handle their business. Mm-hmm. But it's still a shitty situation. It is. You know. People suck. Yeah. I mean, the whole world sucks now. Yeah, well. <sighs> I have been toying with the idea of building a new computer. Um, oh. A, a new desktop because the one that I have is about six years old and it's showing its wear on on some of the freelance jobs I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And so I've been pricing out a new system but you can't buy GPUs now. You can't buy video cards because there's a silicon shortage. Yeah. And so if you want a graphics card at all, there the MSRP on the one I was looking at was 500 bucks. You can get them on eBay for about 2 grand now. And it's like it's not worth it. It's literally not worth that that much money. And the only people that are buying them are like fucking gamers. Right. You know, the people that actually need them for work, they, you can't find them. You can't find them. No. Because mm-hmm. of the shitty world we live in. That's right. Damn millennials. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm going to have to build a new computer and use my older graphics card until I can fucking figure out something else. But at least I'll have more cores. There you go. And that's what's important, apparently. Cores and threads. Get all resorbed to the dark web. <laughs> Yeah, but then you're paying ridiculous prices on the dark web. Well, yeah. I don't need ridiculous prices. I need them to be in stock. At you would you wouldn't the trade a trade a, a kidney for a new CPU? No. 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 Oh. All I, right. I might trade a wife though. <laughs> Can I, uh, maybe not. Nah, I don't think anybody wants that. <laughs> Take it back. Take it back. And the graphics card. Yeah. We'll pay you. Yeah. Well, it's all interesting. Yeah. Yep. Did you uh did you watch WandaVision this week? Of course I did. Big big things revealed. Yes. And there's only one episode left? Yes, there's there's only one um and it's 50 minutes long according to uh, the leaked information that's been out. And I'm not sure if that uh, constitutes, you know, the seven minutes of credits that are on Disney. Plus. Yeah, shows. I know. Yeah. I would think not. I think when it gets to all of the different um, VO dub session people that they've hired through all the different countries, yeah. I think yeah. that's not counted in there. Um, oh, Okay. So I'm, I'm assuming that 
it's going to be like 45 minutes worth of actual show. Um, but there is a lot to get to. They didn't, they didn't touch upon, um, um, what's her name? Monica Rambeau at all this week with the fake yep. Pietro. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got all the backstory on Wanda, all the stuff that they alluded to in civil war and, um, age of Ultron. And what was the first one they appeared in? Was it, uh, was it Iron Man three that her and her and Pietro were in at the end? Like the cutscene, the cutscene. Yeah, it could have been. It's something like that. Um, got, got to see the story that she told about the, the Stark bomb coming and, and not blowing up and them waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see now all the parallels be- between, what's been going on in the show and the TV commercials and her life. Right. And the, the, the commercial in the first episode with the Stark toaster that's beeping at the, in the same yeah. way that the bombs beeping and mm-hmm. how that, and why the sitcoms and, and why the particular sitcoms were picked and mm-hmm. her favorite show being the Dick Van Dyke show and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, did you see, did you, are you waiting around for the mid credit scene? Of course. So big, interesting. So one of the interesting things that they, um, that they got to in this episode is that Wanda didn't take vision's body. Right. That he lied. The director lied about her coming and stealing the body. And what you're seeing in the show is not really vision. It's, her projection of vision. Right. She, she goes up and she lays her hand on the decapitated head of vision and something comes out of it. She absorbs something into her hand from vision. And I don't know whether or not that's like his essence or that's what I was thinking. It was, it was his, for lack of a better word, his soul. Yeah. So what you're seeing is, is this projection of his soul. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end, you find out that they have pieced vision back together into white vision, which is Mm -hmm. straight out of the comic books. So I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a vision brawl next week, like vision going up against vision. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people are waiting for. Um, I my my personal feeling on this is that because Wanda took the essence of Vision, she's going to be able to put that back into White Vision and bring him and bring back him around from of, being a weapon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would be my my guess. And I don't buy the fact that Vision at some point bought land in New Jersey for them to live out their yes. lives in. Yes. That kind of smells of the bigger plot of whether it be the character of Nightmare or, or Mephisto or doesn't seem like it's Agatha. It doesn't seem like she's behind it as much as working with somebody. It might be her mother. Well, her mother's dead. She, sucked, she? she sucked all the, the essence out of her. Is she? Didn't uh-huh. you see Hocus Pocus? Light the black candle. That's all you got to do. Light the black candle. Okay. Read out of the book. Wait a minute. There was a book, wasn't there? 
Yeah. And they were in Salem. That's right. Hmm. Weird. So very, it's very interesting. It's a lot to wrap up in an hour. Um, but now that we're not dealing with TV shows and like, we're just dealing with Wanda and her trauma. It, I think it's going to go, it's got room to be more action packed than, than like the previous episodes. Um, you know, Darcy still hasn't shown up in the ice cream truck or whatever it was. Right. Um, Monica's missing w- along with fake Pietro. Right. So. I don't know. There's, there's more to come. Um, I didn't quite understand the scene towards the end where Agatha has the twins and she's hurting them. It's like, are the twins real? Well, so from what, from what I am gathering, um, the, the way that they explained Wanda's powers coming from the staff and the mind stone is that she was already a, a being of power. Um, right. Much like Dr. Strange can tap into the, the, Mm-hmm. magic worlds she can too and there was this prophecy of the scarlet witch that can do all of these things and the mind stone amplified those and they actually talked about mutation in this episode to kind of bring like mutants into it um and what i think is that she was already a witch she already had these powers, but on the the way that it was explained online was that if she had never discovered them, they would have quoted quote unquote uh, rotted on the vine. Like she would have eventually lost them from from not using them. So the mind stone amplified those powers, turns her into basically the the most powerful Avenger, whether Brie Larson wants to give up that title or not. Right. And um, turned her into the Scarlet Witch. So I think that at that point, she has manifested the twins into reality, her, her kids. Um, she's able to create life. And I think that's why they had that, that scene where the, the, the director of sword was saying, you know, not everybody has the power to bring their, their loved ones back from the dead. Right. I think they're implying that not only can she do that, but she can create life. I think because there's a plan for young Avengers and they're doing Ironheart and, uh, Cassie Lang as aunt, aunt woman or whatever they're going to call her mm-hmm. speed and Wiccan are supposed to be in that. So I think this was a way to bring them forward into the MCU without having a whole bunch of backstory Okay, that it was Wanda using her powers and Agatha thinks that if she kills the kids, she can hurt Wanda, I guess. Mm, okay. But, um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still very unclear as to what, um, Agatha's role actually is in this. It seems like it's more of a passing interest almost. 
Yeah. Like she felt she almost like she felt a disturbance in the force. Right. That it was all of these because she talks about like all of these spells being cast all at once. Well, and she also seems to be kind of ticked off that that Wanda is neglecting her powers and not exploring them deeper. Right. And I think that's that's part of the Agatha Harkness from the comic books. Yeah. That in the comic book, she is Wanda's teacher of her powers. Right. So I don't know if that if at the very end, like next week, um, Paul Bettany had, had given a interview where he talked about he finally got to work with somebody he's always wanted to work with. Um, and he he has said that it's not been seen yet. So somebody's going to show up in the final episode. Reed Richards. Well, I'm thinking it's Doctor Strange. Yeah, you said that before. I, I think it's going to be ben, Benedict Cumberbatch going to show up as Strange to help Wanda out, and maybe he knows Agatha well, because be. he has said in the past that um, I think it was in Thor Ragnarok when he kind of makes Loki disappear, and he's like, you know, I keep track of all these powered people on the planet. Right. I think you're going to find out that um, he knows Agatha and that maybe between the end of WandaVision and the beginning of Doctor Strange 2, he sends Agatha and Wanda somewhere so that Agatha can train um, Wanda. Wanda and make her into the Scarlet Witch. I could see that. And then something, maybe something happens because... Doctor Strange 2 is supposed to be all about the multiverse, so maybe something happens in the training or something and they blow a hole into the multiverse and all this shit starts to pour out of all these different characters and realities and stuff. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Yeah. There was a big movement online too that that fans were very upset that the the set of her room at the Avengers compound was not the same as it was in civil war. And it was like, all right, you guys got to give them some slack. Like, right. It's close enough. Like maybe that wasn't her room. Maybe, maybe that was just like a guest room that, you know, they hadn't moved her in yet because they don't tell you when that happens. Right. So, and she's a full fledged member of the Avengers by then, um, mm-hmm. by the time that the whole Lagos thing happens. So, you know, cut them some slack. Yeah. I don't know. It's good. Getting interesting. It's a shame that's only going to be one up one season though. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll they'll spin off fake Pietro. <laughs> and they'll bring in Bova. <laughs> <laughs> there there was um there was talk that the big bad of like the next phase of Avengers movies. Mm-hmm wouldn't be seen at all until like the mid credits of next week's episode to like, like a, like a Thanos reveal from um, Mm. like Avengers. Okay. You know, that would be there. Like he shows up and it'd be Mephisto or nightmare or whoever it's going to be. Right. And that be your first look at them. So Hmm. there, there, there could be a lot of things going on in next week's episode. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't yeah. wait. 
And then what's the next? Falcon and Snowman? (laughs) Falcon and Winter Soldier is next. And then there's a break of about a month before Loki comes out. Mm. And apparently we're going to get episodes after, like a episode after like next week, the Friday after there'll be like a making of WandaVision. That's like all the behind the scenes stuff. Uh-huh. And they're going to do that for every show. Every show that they they put out. Okay. I mean, I think that's interesting in some ways. Um I'm a big fan of behind the scenes stuff, so like right. I always look forward to that stuff. I don't know how the average person reacts to that kind of stuff though. There's definitely an audience. We'll watch it. That's all that matters. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, cool. Uh, um, have you watched uh, Derek Delgadio in and of itself? It's on, I think it's on Hulu. Mm, no. He's a magician. Okay. He he does did a one-man show in uh, New York City, uh, filmed and directed by Frank Oz. Okay. Uh, I think you would be intrigued by it. I don't want to give away too much because it, it it's a very interesting experience that people have very di- different varying theories on. Right, hang on. Let me log in here. What the fuck, Hulu? What the fuck? Uh, go to this one. Hang on. Uh, what's it called? In and of itself. Okay. Okay. You see it? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely watch it and let me know what you think. Okay. I think you'll like it, but I think there'll be things about it that you will be very frustrated with. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Is he like doing um, illusions and shit? He only does four magic tricks in the two hours. Oh, okay. It's it's a very interesting pacing that is very slow and very uh, – uh, I, I really don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain it. You're going to have to watch it. Okay. And then we'll talk. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, as long as I get to see magic tricks. Yes. Are you still in in quarantine? Yes. Ah. Yep. For another five days. Oh. Can't you just escape out the window and disappear? (laughs) I wish. Oh. It's been, it's been very peaceful though. Like sleeping by myself and, you know, away from everybody. You sleep in your office chair? No, so my kid has a has a trundle bed. I think that's what it's called. It's yeah. It it had a it rolls out underneath the other bed. Yeah, so I took the mattress from that and put it in the office. Oh, okay. So you know, no dog kicking me, no snoring. It's great. Do you have to make announcements when you leave your room? No, but I wear a mask out out into the house. Out among the family? Um, out among the family, yeah. Well. Don't want to get anybody sick. 
No, of course not. Hmm. That's not. another thing that pisses me off, going back to the thing. I flew down to fucking Florida in the midst of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You would think that at least one of those people could have called me, but whatever. <laughs> the fact that you even got a phone call. I know. It's not It's kind of me. a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> I want better. You didn't catch what I did there. What? The miracle... It was a miracle in and of itself. Oh, uh, ha, ha, there you go. Uh, see, there, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, also, we got the new Superman and Lois TV show this week. Yes, I watched that. Did you? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so apparently Superman doesn't fight anybody but Lex Luthor. That's the only <sighs> only villain we can ever throw at him. Uh, so, So my understanding... Um, cause I was very confused as to when this is happening, because if you watched all of the CW shows, um, when they were doing crossovers mm-hmm. crisis on infinite earths that happened last year had Lois and Clark pregnant. Yeah. And at the very end she had given birth to twins. Right. Now they're teenagers, mm-hmm. but there's no mention of any other superheroes. There's no mention of, of Kara. There's no, there's no central city. There's no star city. It's just focusing on Smallville and Metropolis. Right. Um, from what I understand, this is possibly happening on a different earth that what you've seen up until now is not these is not these two characters. Okay. <laughs> I know. That's such a cop out. I know. Um it's a it's it's a weird it's a weird flex to pull right now. Mm-hmm. But besides the whole Lex Luthor thing or Captain Luthor, however they're going to spin it, whether it be Lex Luthor's kid from a different earth or whatever mm. it's going to be. Yeah. I really enjoyed the show. Okay. More than I thought I was going to. Okay. Um, I mean, I really liked the way it started off. I liked the fact that it wasn't going to be all about battling villains Right. You know, he was kind of taking on, you know, uh, environmental disasters and, you know, and then he gets the mysterious calls from the person who knows too much about him. And, you know, I was looking forward to that, too. I'm just tired of Lex Luthor. He seems to be the one villain they always go back to. You know, there's no Bizarro. There's no General Zod. Right. It's, oh, and here he is against Lex. Right. But he doesn't acknowledge the fact that if it is Lex, that at least in Supergirl and Smallville and all these things, he's aware that Lex has been researching him for years. Right. Why would he not just make the make the leap that this person who's causing chaos and, you know, luring him to nuclear plants and stuff is Lex? Well, I think it's pretty clear it's not the Lex Luthor you know. 
Well, I hope it's not mercy. <laughs> well, being being that it's a bald black head, it's not going to be John Cryer. Um, unless we're going to do some really fucked up blackface shit, which would be <laughs> bizarre, but whatever. Um, I think there's going to be some kind of interdimensional time travel, timey wimey okay. shit that gets yeah. put in here. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Um, but I I understand your your feelings, like. But I mean, it's the same as Batman. They always circle back to the Joker, at some yeah. point. At some point, there, you know, Gotham started out. You're never going to see the Joker. What was in the last episode? The Joker. the Joker. So maybe they're just trying to get it out of the way. Maybe they've got some plans, and they're like, everybody's going to expect us to do this. So let's do it and be done with it. Yeah. I did think, though, from all out of all the CW shows that I've seen superhero-wise, this is sporting the best visual effects that they've ever done. Yes. The, the scene much. when he gets the call from his mother or, mm-hmm. or from the doctor and he goes zipping out and you see him land behind the barn and then he comes running out the other side Yep, is so well done. The, the shots of him flying, the shots of him landing and taking off mm-hmm. are on like movie quality at this sure. point. I don't know if it's because it's the pilot and things are just going to go downhill from here, but uh, I hope not. I hope not either. But um, right now, it's it's one of probably the best done superhero shows that the CW has done. It's something they needed. Yeah, they they needed a quality show that doesn't become camp, that doesn't become ludicrous. So let's see where it goes. Well, and I think I think it's the same. It feels very much the same way that the original season of Arrow did, mm-hmm. where Arrow was meant to be grounded in reality. It was this this mysterious guy who had come back from this island, but came back with heightened skills. Um, but they show the flashbacks of how he got those skills, right? And it wasn't about superpowers and it wasn't about like the the greater DC universe just because they didn't think they were ever going to get to do that. And then they were like, well, we could do the Flash. We could do Barry Allen and, and try to ground that in reality um, and then fail at it. But that's a completely different, <laughs> a completely different discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, like at this point they were like, let's do Superman, but like you haven't seen him before. He's got, he's got a family. He's dealing with, with two kids. One is like super prim proper. The other kids might be on the spectrum of, mm-hmm. of, you know, Asperger's or something. Right. And then do you, you shift that to be like, okay, well the Asperger's kid really has superpowers. Right. Like, it didn't seem forced. Like, the the whole thing with them in the barn, and although why mm-hmm. you would put a Wi-Fi thing in the barn, I don't Router know. in the barn? Yeah, exactly. Especially as, like, Mar- Martha Kent, like, where do you want this, this router? Like, she wouldn't be like, put it out in the barn. Yeah, she's like, right there next to the couch. Yeah, exactly. 
So, but like, they they played with with expectations, and I think they did pretty well. You know, it's Lois's dad is not after Superman; he's actually working with Superman now. Right. And it's it's Dylan Walsh, which is the guy from Nip Tuck, so that's really weird to see him in like a military outfit. Yeah, definitely. When I saw that, it's like, oh, weird choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but whatever. Well, the other thing is that the woman who plays Lois, Elizabeth Tullock, or or Bitsy, um, was also in Grimm. Oh, okay. Which I really liked until her character was was taken over by a witch and <laughs> and she became yeah, it was weird okay. and and like halfway through the the series she changed her name from Bitsy to Elizabeth oh, <laughs> oh yeah that's kind of weird yeah but you know it's it's that old rule of they go back to people who have been in similar projects in the genre yeah there's you know? there's definitely there's definitely like that cast Mm-hmm. That that casting type in those TV shows. Yep. Um. You know, I think I think the CW falls back on teen drama aesthetic way more than they should. Yeah. Um. And I think I think like the the superhero genre creators of Berlanti and um, oh, who's the other guy that does all these shows? whoever that producer is. Um, I think they try to walk that balance of giving what CW wants and trying to, to do decent superhero shows. It doesn't always work out for them. I mean, right. legends of tomorrow was a completely different premise than what it is now. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's only what it is now is because they needed to evolve it to, to find an audience. And you know, that's, that's fine. If, if the audience sticks around, um, but I think it's, I, it, it's an interesting look at Superman because the Superman that I always grew up worked for the daily planet and at one point was Dayton wonder woman. So like Lois wasn't always in the picture and now it's, we're going to show you like a modern day representation of like, like they're having to deal with like money issues and, Right. And the death of his his mother and now he's truly an orphan on his second planet and mm-hmm. after being the orphan of the other planet and like um it's an it's a side to Superman we haven't seen and S- Superman as we've discussed is the impossible character to write for because you you can't beat him without kryptonite. Yeah. And now you know he literally beat kryptonite in this. He pulls it out of his chest and is able to stop from hitting the, the car on the way down, which was an excellent shot. Yeah. Um, but now, like, like Luther's computer is like, yeah, well, we don't have any more kryptonite. Okay, so that's out the window. Right. So how do you beat him now? You go after his family is mm-hmm. basically how this is going to work. Sure. And do you go the route of, like, super family? Do you, Does Jonathan become Superboy, like... In right. the comic books, and does the other one become like the offshoot of Superboy? Like, like 
not really good, not really evil, kind of somewhere chaotic in the middle. Right. I would expect that that's the course that they're going to go since like he's all goth and dressed in black and like the curly Mm -hmm. long hair. And then, you know, you'd get Superman in the middle flanked by Superboy and like, like black suited young Superboy, Mm -hmm. like almost on the other side. And maybe Luther tempts emo Superman away. (laughs) And then the other two have got to fight their own kin. I don't know. I don't whatever they're going to do. I mean, I think there's yeah. definitely stories there that we haven't seen yet instead of the rehash of, you know, like the flash where, Oh, we haven't done mirror master yet. So let's do that villain. Right. Bullshit that they've, they've tied themselves to. <laughs> let's make it all about female power and make, make, um, um, Oh, what's, what's his wife's name in that show? In the Flash, uh, Iris. Iris, let's make it all about Iris. No, oh, no, it's Iris. It's Joe's wife getting powers. Yeah. It's like okay. I'm all for strong female superhero characters, but it's the Flash, right? And the day that Iris is like, "You're not the Flash. We're the Flash." I was like, "I'm done. I am done," because that's not the show that I signed up for. Mm-hmm. And apparently Cisco's not really in the show anymore. And Cisco is like my favorite character out of them all. And so there's no right. real reason to watch. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to eagerly watch, um, to see if the effects hold up and to see if they actually tell a good story. Mm-hmm. I would assume we're going to get the reveal of the front of Luther and maybe some backstory soon. I would like to think. Yeah. So that we can get it all out there, but who knows? We'll wait and see. Do you think that a superhero show like that would work better with a freak of the week as opposed to an overarching story? Uh mm. With today's attention spans, I think Freak of the Week is the easy solution. Yeah. And then to do an arc or an arc that intersects several Freak of the Week kind of episodes is a lot harder. But I think it's a lot – it's much more worth it. I mean I would like to see them just – open all the doors in flash for for the next season. And, you know, it's King shark versus gorilla grod versus you know, <laughs> the puzzler comes back, right? You know, just, just go back to the, the somewhat lame villains that the flash has had to deal with. Right. But I don't know. I've stuck with it. I don't know why. <laughs> Because you're a glutton for punishment. Well, you know, not necessarily. No? So I was scanning through Amazon Prime last night looking for something to watch. And there's really not a lot. It's kind of pissing me off. (laughs) Um, And I came across a movie, 1983. It's called Space Raiders. 
a young boy gets trapped on a spaceship that gets taken over by pirates. And I'm like, oh, this might be interesting. Holy crap, was it a piece of shit. <laughs> and we, it was like that other that other movie, Supervised. Oh, it's like geez. I watched like five minutes of it and said, I can't handle this. Wow. It was horrible. I mean, bad acting, bad special effects. <laughs> really bad. Um, so what I ended up watching instead was The Black Hole over on Disney+. Plus. Oh, Jesus. And go from bad to bad? Oh, my God. For a movie that was supposed to be the answer to Star Wars. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a weird fucking movie. Incredibly. Incredibly bizarre. It's like, why? What? Huh? Don't understand. Did you um, watch the whole thing? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, it's a, it's a fucking, what, 40-year-old movie, so we're not spoiling yeah. anything. There's an actual scene at the end where they go through the black hole and go to heaven? Because there's After an passing through hell. Angel? Yep. And the bad guy gets merged with the Maximilian robot and winds up in hell on top of a fiery mountain. Mm -hmm. And you like looking at that, like I rewatched that. Uh, I must've been back in the summer. Um, cause I had listened to a podcast where that they were talking about the black hole. And I was like, I haven't seen that in fucking years and got to that part. And I was like, what the hell just happened? And you don't get a resolution. No, because I I could not understand what the hell the ending was. It's like, so did they die? Apparently they died. They they died going into the black hole. But don't they see Earth at the end? They see some planet that's eclipsed. I don't know if it's supposed to be Earth. Well, I mean... It, it it was so bizarre. I hear you get a good view of Earth from heaven, so... <laughs> oh, do you now? <laughs> Who told you that? Uh, that's, that's what I read in a book. Yeah, I, right. <laughs> um, I, I felt like there was only one really decent scene with potential that ended up being nothing. Okay. And that was the, the meteor rolling through the main corridor of the ship. The The visual effects are done pretty well. They were, but I wanted, I don't know. I just thought that just having the cast run across the walkway was a cop out. It's like you did there. You didn't, I don't know. Well, what I, you're, what you're getting is you're getting, Disney's answer to, like you said, Star Wars. Yeah. Where you they're they're trying to do all these special effects and they're like, isn't this a cool shot? And that's all it amounts to is a cool shot. Sure. Yeah, the meteor should have ripped the ripped the ship apart and they all should have died, but they didn't. No, and for being a ship that had so much glass window in it. <laughs> And, and such a small cast. It was it was weird. Yeah, it was like you wanted this to be a blockbuster, but you got a shitty story. You've got characters that don't make sense. Um, apparently, Jennifer Grey from um, 
Dirty Dancing was considered for the female lead. And they had she had this weird interview session where they they cut her hair like they kept going shorter and shorter. Okay. And she was very stressed about it and ended up in a car accident on her way home and they had to recast her. <laughs> okay. It it was really weird. I will say they never said, "Hey, you know, would you wear a wig?" <laughs> the the best part of the black hole, hands down, is Anthony Perkins' death scene. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. So the look on his face. So there, there. Don't I wouldn't recommend sitting through this movie for anybody unless you're a glutton for punishment. But it's worth seeing to see. A movie that was really created in an effort to steal the box office from another franchise. Yep. Yep. So there's a scene where um, I guess um, Anthony Perkins has stumbled upon what they're actually doing. Yep. Or something. I don't even really remember the the plot, but... um, the the main bad guy who's Reinhard um commands his robot Maximilian the big red robot to kill Anthony Perkins where he puts out a hand and this little spinny blade thing starts to move and to keep it i guess rated G at the time there's no blood but you get this shot of Anthony Perkins's face as this thing rips into his body rips into his body through the notebook he's holding through the notebook. So the papers go flying and he kind of sticks his tongue out and convulses. Right. And then is dead. And it's like, what the fuck? Why was that? Okay. But I mean, this is a movie that has an angel in it, so I don't know. Yeah. And, and the, oh my God, it's just so poorly written. The whole thing that the, the crew of the Cygnus have been lobotomized yep. and. <sighs> you got Slim Pickens as the voice of the old beat up. Um, robot, robot Bob. 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 And Roddy McDowell as Vincent. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a weird cast. It's got Ernest Borgnine in it. Mm-hmm. Like. It's like the type. It has the type of cast that would have been in one of the Irwin Allen disaster movies. It's like the Poseidon Adventure. Yes, exactly. It's it's the the Poseidon Adventure in space with Ernest Borgnine again, mm-hmm. and Slim Pickens. You know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, 1977 Star Wars comes out. Everybody's like, we need to do space movies. And I think 79 was also Star Trek, the motion picture. Yeah. So you have, you have that there, yeah. coming from Paramount. You have this coming from Disney and it's all because Star Wars did well. You had right. Battlestar Galactica on TV, which was a, was a, which was a ripoff of Star Wars. Like there was a ton of sci-fi shit and none of it was good. Right. So Yeah. It's a little it was, messed up. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I will give it to Disney. Like, if you go back and you look at it now, the special effects hold up pretty well as far as For that, yes. looking, looking. A lot of it's like matte paintings. A lot of it's 
like visual effects of the time, but it's not, it's hokey, but it's, it's not cringeworthy now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's definitely like, I really feel like the, the writers of the black hole sat down and said, said, what do we need in this movie? That's like star Wars. Right. Okay. So you can break the main cast down into like, here's princess Leia and here's a dude that's supposed to be Han Solo. And here's a dude that's supposed to be Luke. You have two robots. Um, we need a bad guy. Okay. We need a bad guy henchman. We need guys that are walking around in suits that are like stormtroopers. Like they're just plugging shit into this movie. And then they're like, how do we make it different? I know they go to heaven at the end. Uh, yeah. Uh huh. Okay. We'll put Ernest Borgnine in a weird mustache and it'll be great. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a museum piece. It It is. It is for sure. And it is funny to, to go back and look at like, if, if I want to, if I, if I think about the actual story, isn't there like a 10 minute, sequence of like the ships docking together like it's a long yes well even the beginning of it is weird because it's black screen for so long yeah it's like i i had to like go back and restart it and and scan ahead to see if there was actually a picture on it (laughs) and i was like okay that's weird yeah it's a bizarre little movie i mean and it's funny because it looks like the director Gary Nelson mm-hmm. um, is mostly known for TV and TV movies. Um, yeah. Going Up until about 2000. And then is, I don't know. Did he die? I don't want to say anything bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did, he did freaky Friday in 1976. And then he did the black hole. And those look like the only two theatrical films he's, he did. Mm-hmm. Everything else is TV movies. Uh, he did Alan Quartermain in The Lost City, which I oh, wait, think he? was... Oh, yeah, he did. Um, 1986. Richard Chamberlain and yeah. Sharon Stone. Yeah. I really like that movie. Did you? Like, that's that's one of those, like, discovered on Saturday afternoon TV in, okay. like, the, the late 80s in New Jersey. Okay. Um, And it was that, and there was a... There was a second Ellen Quartermain movie too. That brought them all back, right? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, Ellen Quartermain, uh, Richard Richard Chamberlain. Let's see. That was eighty six, right? So, Ellen Quartermain and King Solomon's Mines was the other one. Yes, in nineteen eighty five. Um, those two movies I found on TV. Um. Yeah, and Sharon Stone's in that one too. Um, but that that was not the same dude that directed the Black Hole. Uh, no, I mean, but he directed a lot of stuff I watched as a kid: F Troop, Gilligan's Island, uh, Get Smart, Gomer Pyle, Ghost of Mrs. Muir, Happy Days. He was much more suited for the small screen than he was. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what. I don't know what was in place in the late seventies for Disney to look at this dude and say, this is the guy to direct a science fiction film. 
mm-hmm. to rival Star Wars because I don't see it in his in his um, credits. Unless Freaky Friday, they considered a science fiction film because they swapped places. Uh, I don't know. Well, he had a relationship with Disney. Oh, oh okay. you know, he did. He did several uh, series for Wonderful World of Disney, Magical World of Disney, whatever it was called at the time. Okay. And they probably got good results with him, so they said, "Hey, sure, okay." But yeah, it's it's a bizarre movie for sure. Mhm. Yeah, he worked for Disney from 69 to 82. Wow. Including a a show called Bayou Boy. <laughs> <laughs> um I wonder if box office I wonder if it was if the black hole was considered successful or not. Uh, I don't know. I don't um, think so. You know, because I could see, like, I was only five when this came out, but I, I could see like the fury that was star Wars, the the lining up around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see like people being hungry for any kind of science fiction. Sure. Uh, I mean, it had a, a domestic gross of thirty-five million dollars for nineteen seventy-nine. That's which respectable. is which is really good for them. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was considered a hit. It just Could hasn't aged well. No, it hasn't. That's funny. I did go and watch, um, after you talked about it, I rewatched the um, Explorers last week. Oh, okay. Yeah. What was your take on it after seeing, not seeing it for so many years? Um, I'm really surprised how fast the movie moves. Mm-hmm. Um, it literally is, kid has a dream. They figure out how to make the little bubble thing. They make the spaceship, they take it out for a test flight, they take it up to the spaceship. Right. Like, it moves, and it's it's like a two-hour film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a... It's, it's, again, one of those 80s movies that spends a lot of time on character building. Um, sure. It's not like movies today where you don't get backstory on half of the people. Mm-hmm. You get... Um, a ton of information in the first 10 minutes of who um, Ethan Hawke's character Ben is and what he likes. Mm-hmm. And he's got this weird friend, Wolfgang. Um, and you go to Wolfgang's house and it's James Cromwell is his father who's looking for yep. bug bomb. And mm-hmm. cr- there's it's like this crazy scientist family. And it spends it spends time building those characters, even the other kid in it. Um, you get this whole thing about like he comes from a, like a broken home and he doesn't want to be home because his father's home and he's probably been drinking. And so he doesn't want to go home and you get all this like rich backstory within a couple of lines of dialogue mm-hmm. and 
they build the world on top of it um, before you ever get to the science fiction part of it. Um, and a lot of eighties movies did that. And it's something that we've lost today. And it's, it's a, it's a real shame because I think it's, we should go back to that. We should go back to more, a better world building instead of me getting through an entire movie and not knowing the names of the main characters on the other end. Right. Cause that happens a lot now. I'm like, who is that? Um, but I think it's, it's, it's an interesting, um, th- there's definitely from like a visual effects standpoint there. It's like 1984 or 85 when that movie was made. Mm-hmm. And it's deep into ILM model making and um, really clicking on um, being able to composite things well. Right. And a lot of that stuff still kind of holds up. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the weird alien father that walks in at the end and it's got like arms on his head and stuff Mm -hmm. is a little weird of a design choice, but whatever, no weirder than the young girl alien with the lipstick and the blonde hair. But right. You know, it's, it's a movie for kids. This was not a, we're going to market this to everybody. This is, we're going to market this for young boys between the age of eight and 14. Mm -hmm. And that's who this is for. That's what a summer movie should be. Yes. And, and this is eighties movies personified. And, um, I was, I was worried because, you know, nostalgia sometimes makes things better in your head, but I mean, it, it holds up. It, it's better than I had expected it to be on a rewatch. Um, you know, lots of times you see that you see these movies and you see kids acting that shouldn't be acting (laughs) and it's, it's hard to watch, but I mean, it's, it's, um, river Phoenix and, um, Ethan Hawk and Ethan Hawk and like people who knew how to act their asses off at like 10 years old. John Cusack is in it. Is she? Isn't John Cusack one of the friends at the dance? Or is that a totally different movie? <laughs> Isn't that 16 Candles? Oh, that is 16 <laughs> Candles. All right. <laughs> uh, with the with the poodle skirt shirt and like she's in like a neck brace or something. And she she's like, she's got the neck brace on and she can't like get like bend yes, down yes, to get the yes, water. And she's like sticking yes. her tongue out to lap it up. Yeah. Yeah. Drinking it like Donald Trump does. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, because of, because they're good actors, it's, it's a, it's a fun watch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, uh, it was a good trip down memory lane for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And today I'm watching pretty woman. Oh, Okay. Interesting that a family company like Disney would make a movie about a prostitute. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's still enjoyable. Uh, I had forgotten what a horrible person Jason Alexander's character is. Yeah. Um, I do like Hector Elizondo as the the, uh, manager of the hotel. who kind of takes uh, 
takes pity on her and helps her out. Right. That's another movie I've only seen like once. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was 1990. So Mm -hmm. I was not, that was not the type of movie that I was hanging out to see. Watching in 1990? Yeah. No? What were you watching? Uh, Anything sci-fi. Okay. It was, it, it was one of those things like I map like certain parts of my my adolescence through like what movies I was watching at the time mm-hmm. and most of the 80s and 90s was all sci-fi films okay um I don't remember no I I was working at the movie theater by then so there was a point when um I had seen everything that came out being a projectionist Okay. But I, that, and that might've been how I saw pretty woman as like the only time I've ever seen it. But, uh, list, list of not, no, 1990. I don't need a list of from the nineties. Thanks. Google. <laughs> Does this break it out by year? 1990. So back to the future part three. Mm-hmm. Would have been a big one. Uh, Flatliners. Although, I mean, that's kind of in between sci-fi and horror. And that's another weird movie. Yeah. The the production design on that is so bizarre. Yeah. The, the uh, is it an abandoned medical hospital that they're doing their experiments in? But there's like so. this, this, the head of a giant statue and, uh, 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 it's very Joel Schumacher. I was about to say two words, Joel Schumacher, man. Yep. Uh, so other notable from 1990 is Gremlins 2. Okay. Um, Predator 2, RoboCop 2, lots of twos in 1990. Total Recall. Those those were the types of things that I was watching. Okay. Like that I was going to the movies to see. Mm-hmm. Um, since you mentioned Gremlins. I don't know mm-hmm. if we talked about this. Did you see the Gremlins commercial from the Super Bowl? No. There's a Mountain Dew commercial with Zach Galligan, who uh, has not aged well. <laughs> okay. While we're talking about people reliving their... Um... Glory it... days? Oh, wait. Hang on. Let me... Oh my. Yeah, no, he hasn't aged well at all. No, but he's, you know, he's got to be pushing 60. Let's talk about the Wayne's World commercials. Uh, Botox much? Why do they think that that's okay? Um, Because nostalgia. It's recognizable. It's, it's, uh, it's easy. Uh. Mike Myers has to know he looks terrible though, right? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, the jowls on that dude now. Yeah. I was like, and, and they didn't just stop with one commercial. I guess they felt that this is something that's going to be recurring for 
for mm-hmm. Uber Eats? Yeah. Well, it's like the the uh, the Picard and Luke Skywalker commercials. Uh, yeah, but at least those were funny. Yeah. Oh, Zach Galligan is a year older than me. Oh. Okay. He's born in 1964. Okay. Um, and he's still working. Yeah. I so mean, good for him. I mean, good for him. Um, uh, you know, I don't know what else he's been doing, but... And I guess when they say you want to make a Mountain Dew commercial for the Super Bowl, you say yes. Yeah. Maybe that's the way Mike Myers felt too. I don't know. But it's just sad to see those people. um, Get old? Well, yeah, because you do have memories of what Wayne's World was. Mm -hmm. And they were like, they're supposed to be 19 years old. Right. Like right out of school and pursuing their dreams. So why couldn't they have been 50 year old? Wayne and Garth. I think that would have been funnier. But see, I I don't know if that's what they're trying to do. Are they trying to still be those characters from that film? Or are they trying to be 50, 50 year old versions of that? Uh, Yeah. It doesn't come across at all. No, no. I don't know. I mean, at least at least in the Mountain Dew commercial, like, like this dude's not trying to play a teenager with a Mogwai, right? Like he's playing himself. And the Mogwais are pretty good. Yeah. You know. I... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's it it sucks getting old. It's going to be a <laughs> hundred times worse if you were like well known if for something. You know, especially as a child star. Yeah. I mean, we, and we talked about this last week. I was watching Deadwood. Um, and Deadwood was done in the early aughts, like 2005, 2006. And I watched the Deadwood movie. I went right from the TV show to the movie. Okay. And the the movie was made 10 years later. And it was... Um, in in Showtime, it's also ten years past the last episode. But you see the way that these people have aged in ten years, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh man!" Like I was just feeling good about these people, and now it's like, you know, they like um, not not too much Tim Lee Oliphant because I've seen him recently in like The Mandalorian and stuff, right? But like, um. One of the actors on Deadwood that wound up in Sons of Anarchy is is a actor named Dayton Callie, and okay. he was he was um, Charlie Utter in Deadwood, and he plays Unser in Sons of Anarchy. But you see him in the Deadwood movie that's like ten years removed from both of those, and he's like this frail old man, and you're like, oh man, like I had such good memories of that dude at that particular age, and now he's all like old, and it's it's just sad. Mm-hmm. And then I start thinking about my mortality and I start, you know, having fucking midlife crisis and then it's all <laughs> out the window. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird watching people, you know, get old. Mm-hmm. It's weird watching yourself get old. Well, yeah, but at least that's a gradual progression. Right. It's not jarring when you haven't seen somebody for 10 years right. and it's like, whoa, right. I mean, I'm sure that if I saw today some of the people that you and I worked with, mm-hmm. having not seen 
99% of those people since I left, Mm -hmm. it would be that experience. It would be like, holy shit, what the fuck happened to you? Right. Um, I mean, there's people that I see on Facebook that, uh, you know, have literally stopped dyeing their hair or trying to Mm -hmm. capture their youth. Like, I don't just use the name Cheryl to clue you in. (laughs) And you look at those pictures and you're like, what the fuck happened, man? But I mean, when we all worked together, it was the early 2000s. That's 21 years ago. That's that's sad. And now we're all older. Yep. Wow. Sad. It's very <laughs> sad. So have you been watching this season of Penn and Teller Fool Us? Uh, yeah, but I'm a little behind. I don't know how much I like the new format. The the COVID format? Yeah, I, I'm I'm fine with with the big wall of of people on monitors behind them. Right. I have a hard time when they're fooled by somebody on video from a different country. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it takes a certain element out of the premise of the show. Yes, exactly. Their whole thing is like they're performing in front of them. They're able to see them in real time doing these, doing these illusions or these tricks or whatever. And I understand that people don't want to fly. They have a show to produce. So there were compromises that needed to be made. Sure. But I feel like if you're not willing to travel and show up and perform in front of them, it should just be a performance piece then. And not so much of a, well, then it becomes masters of illusion. Well, that's, but that, I think that's okay because the concept of the show was not, can you fool Penn and Teller? That was the hook. But the reason they made the show was because they wanted to showcase other magicians for the world. Because when you say magician to an average person, they're thinking David Blaine, Penn and Teller. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all. Um, what what are their names? The two that just died. Roy Siegfried and Roy. Sig- Siegfried and Roy. There's there's a those names. So they wanted to get people on the show that you hadn't heard of and show off their talent. Sure. And, but like the, I was watching one the other night where it was a dude on screen and they had, they had a discussion about the tricks he was doing. And on the video, it was cutting back and forth between him and then another studio and then back to him and then another studio like outside of the Penn and Teller stage. Mm-hmm. And I kept being like, um, there's, there's editing involved. There's, there's all kinds of other shit. It becomes Chris Angel and David. Blaine. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's, that's exactly what I was looking for. There was, there was one couple of weeks ago where the dude goes over Niagara Falls in a barrel or something. Mm hmm. You can't tell me that, and I don't think he fooled them, but you can't tell me that there's not editing tricks involved when it's cutting back and forth to six cameras. Like, literally, mm-hmm. they bring the thing over, it cuts to another thing, but, like, he's already out because they've stopped the crane, and he's jumped out, and they put the lid back on, throw it in the water, they pick up the shot, 
and then he goes over and camera spins around. He's up on the thing. Like, look at me. And you're like, no, that's not that. That shouldn't be allowed to be judged in that way. Right. I don't know. I mean, but there are people that do that do come up to the stage and, and like have Penn and Teller there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think those are the people that should be judged. Not so much, you know, people in different countries. I know that's weird, but whatever. And Penn's looking kind of old these days too. Speaking of older, (laughs) (laughs) which is weird because Teller's actually older than Penn. Yes. And Teller just, has aged well, I guess. I mean, I'm still going to continue to watch it, but I just have an issue with the new format. Yeah. Hopefully it's going to change, which is odd because, you know, I've been watching Saturday night live since it's been back. And it's like, you've got the entire cast not wearing masks until the very end when they're interacting with, you know, the, uh, uh, the musical act is part of a, you know, hey, goodbye, yeah. thank you, it's been wonderful um, thing. And it's like, I, you know, I obviously somebody's making it work. <laughs> so they need to share their secrets. Well, and I also think it like something with Penn and Teller, you're talking about two guys in their late 60s, early 70s mm-hmm. that need to watch out for who they're interacting with and oh yeah definitely you know they're not gonna be the type of people that are just gonna willy-nilly just throw shit out there um if they can make it work a different way yeah and i think maybe Saturday night live doesn't care at that point you know you want a job get out there yeah because you know pete davidson's the healthiest guy on the show <laughs> But, you know, my Rudolph's coming back to host, so it's all good. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Now they could get some better writers. <laughs> the funniest sketch this past week was um, uh, uh, Nick Jonas was the guest host and the musical guest. Um, and he was Prince Charming coming to the evil stepmother's house to try on to have them try on the slipper okay and the glass slipper he shows them is like tiny and they're like that doesn't even look like a like a a person shoe (laughs) is it a child shoe and the two uh actresses playing evil stepsisters have unibrows (laughs) but it ends up being that um the prince actually did it with one of the mice and the mouse lost her shoe. (laughs) (laughs) And that was kind of funny to watch. Okay. But overall, not, not, no, no. Uh, the other Jonas, the older Jonas, the one who lost the family company. Yeah. I don't even know what his name is. There's Nick and Joe. They're the ones with talent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he's in the audience and, um, he stands up and he 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 says something like, "Um, are we good? Are we still in a band together? Because like you're doing a lot of stuff on your own." Are you talking about Kevin? 
Kevin, that's his okay. name. The forgettable Jonas. <laughs> and if you Google Jonas Brothers, um, it comes up with that thing on the side that talks about all about them. And the members are Nick Jonas, who plays piano, Joe Jonas, who plays guitar, and Kevin Jonas on mandolin. Uh, he plays guitar and bass, too. <laughs> but he doesn't really sing. No. I don't I think they turn his mic off when he's when they when he's singing. Oh. It's just a fake mic. <laughs> but um yeah. So Maya Rudolph coming back. That's great. Yeah. Love her. She's hilarious. I mean, you know they're just going to do a bunch of Kamala Harris things with her. Yeah. Wasn't she her for like the Yep. all the other shit that went on? For the last season. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good times. All right. You got anything else for this week? Uh, no, I think right. that's it. All right. All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email at info at dancemonkeypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and let us know you're listening. So until next week, this is Chris. It's John. Have a good week. Mask up. Or two.